Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. All right. Well, welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited about our guest for today. Robert, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. So excited to leverage that deep wisdom that you have. And uh, our first question is always, who are you? Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Davis. I am a man of faith, um, follower of Jesus Christ, husband to my wife, Shay, for 15 years, and father to two beautiful girls. I am, uh, I've been, and I'm also, you may also know me as the director of operations for Methodist Medical Group here in Dallas, Texas. Awesome. So, yeah, so you're, you said two girls, what are their ages? 13 and 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> handful, handful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, I have two boys uh, that are eight and six, uh, and oh, wow. so... Uh, we're not at that level yet, but we're starting to get some of that like preteen kind of aggression yeah. going on. So uh -huh. you're you're deep into the middle of it right now. So right, I'm bracing for shock. <laughs> <laughs> so director of ops for Methodist, uh, tell us a little bit about that scope, like as it relates to operating budget, staff supervised, et cetera. Yeah, so Methodist Medical Group is a subsidiary of the Methodist Health Systems in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, right now, my role, my primary role is kind of overseeing uh, the growth and operations of our CV service line or cardiovascular service line. I oversee the budgets and staffing schedules, procedures done in the office and in the hospitals for our CT surgeons, our cardiovascular surgeons, our um, cardiologists, and our pulmonologists. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, I oversee the budgets on an annual basis and making sure that we're meeting our productivity numbers. We're keeping patient satisfaction at its highest, which is extremely important to me. And then making sure the providers feel that like the providers and the staff feel as though they're fulfilled in their duties and their mission. Got it. I guess I was just trying to dive specifically into some of those numbers. So people that don't know you, Robert, I know that based off our interactions, but was just trying to kind of get a better understanding, uh, you know, for those under like listening uh, to get a, get an idea of like the scope of the number of people or budgetary wise, et cetera. Also, we manage a budget of around 50 plus million dollars annually uh, from, from a position standpoint, around 50 positions in my portfolio that I oversee. Staff can be upwards of 250 people between the 20, uh, the 26 offices that we have in the ranging from Richardson, Texas to Waxahachie, Texas. Uh, hope I answered the question correctly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, got it. Got it. So uh, that's that's wonderful. So you said 50 million, 50 physicians, 250 employees, and you said 26 locations. Roughly 26 locations. Correct. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, you're a rock star. Thank you for sharing, Robert. Um, so tell us a little bit how you got to the leadership position that you're in today. You know, um, I was in the military for eight years. Uh, and in 2014, I got out of the military, started working with Children's Health, which is in the uh, Dallas area, inequality and patient satisfaction. Um, I wanted to get back into the operations and the business development, really growing practices and, and kind of controlling from the inside. 
Uh, I applied for a position that was a practice administrative position with a Methodist, but things, God had different plans for me. Uh, even though I applied for the practice administrative position, which is a step below the director, they offered me the director position because of my skills and what I've learned in the military from a patient and, and patient satisfaction and quality. They felt that I'd be a better fit running their primary care practices. During that time, I've been with the uh, with Methodist. I've kind of grown primary care, the scope of what we do in the offices. We added different service models like concierge medicine and working on performance and building the budgets, making sure that we increase the number of visits that we have, really helping patients understand um, why it is important to have preventative medicine or annual wellness visits on a yearly basis. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the leadership position role, but in, in kind of what I'm doing now in that role. You had stated that, you know, a lot of the promotion and opportunity was based on what you learned in the military. Was that what you learned in the military? Can you talk to uh, what you learned in your eight years in the military? Yes, my eight years in the military, it really helped me kind of build plans, uh, be more strategic in my work efforts, be tactical, as well as building a family culture inside of, of my offices. In the military, when we deploy, we are all the people that we're all we have, right? Um, so you can be out nine months with a group of six or seven people, and you spend more time with them in that year than you do with your own family. Mm -hmm. So I've learned how to be more flexible and adapt to certain situations. You will hear from me often, or people who work with me closely know, one of my uh, mottos is Simper Gumby, which is always flexible. Um, you have to be, I think, with working with patients and with physicians, because not every patient or physician fits within a mold or a model. And how do you accommodate to make sure that you, one, keep your standards, but then also allow them to be themselves and not uh, make everybody such a, in a, a, such a cookie cutter clinic that patients don't necessarily get the uh, interaction that they need to stay compliant. But I think the military taught me all of that, how to be flexible, how to build a family instead of just a team, and how to really um, be more tactical in, in my planning. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah, just so much of that resonated with kind of my own journey, just thinking about kind of the way that we think about spirit consulting. And, you know, as we talk about a, a virtuous leadership style is like always doing the right thing and loving people and creating, you know, these, these great environments where people can really feel like they can be themselves and thrive in the work that they're doing. So we're definitely like-minded there. So love that. As I told you, Robert, <clears throat> I'm not just going to allow you to kind of sit on the, on the high side of leadership. I want to <laughs> be able to dive in a little bit on the, on the vices side. So what are some of the vices that you feel like you had to uh, overcome earlier in your career to be at the leadership capability that you are today? Some of the vices, well, one in particular is my uh, want to control every situation um, that's not how you build a team. It almost comes off as a form of micromanagement. And that's what I really had to learn uh, to let go uh, when I first started to be in leadership. I, I was wondering why I would lose some people that I considered to be good or you know, great at their job, but it was because I wanted to control everything. I wanted to control how they did the work when the work was completed. I wanted to control the process they did, took to get it to where it needed to be. Um, that was probably a major vice that, uh, you know, I learned early on was not going to work and just finding ways to deal with it was the next step. 
as a follow-up to that, why do you, where, where do you think that came from that, that sense of control or, or yeah, just trying to get a better understanding of, of, of that vice and how that came into your life and leadership presence? Yeah, and that's a great question, great follow-up question. I believe that that started as a younger, uh, I'm, so I'm the firstborn of five siblings. And so you have to manage your brothers and sisters to make sure that they don't get in trouble with mom. They clean the kitchen, they make their beds because yes, they'll get in trouble, but because you're the oldest and you should have been watching, that was, that, that, that left me in a place where I felt like I had to control everything that was going on. Um, so I think in doing that, I saw my team sometimes as siblings or as children where I had to make sure that, okay, well, we know we need to get this done. So I have to be the one to make sure they get it done this way. Um, I think that's where it all stemmed from. I, I actually, I know that's where it all stemmed from because my siblings can tell you that I still try to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because. I have my my eight year old, soon to be nine. He's like very on the ball, very responsible. And then my six year old is like a ball of energy. <laughs> and he's yeah. all over the place. And so, like we can get the nine year old to be cleaning up and taking responsibility, but that six year old is just like doing his own thing. And and then it's you know I I can totally feel for you where like he is the the older one is always getting it for the younger one because it's like. <laughs> well, he's your little brother and it, you guys are still in the same room. So like, you've got to pick yeah. up that extra duty so I can see how that can kind of funnel over. Into exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. You, you have it on. So don't be too hard on a nine-year-old is my request. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to work through that uh, as well. And I think that, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about virtuous leadership, that doesn't necessarily just sit at the office that can also include being able to bring that uh, at home and as we lead our families and, and guide them too. And I, I think that if I was looking at one of my current vices, I would probably say it's that. It's like trying to trying to love him uh, where he's at. Because sometimes like as we get in that preteen, it's like I can start to get like hostile and frustrated instead of like being, you know, we're, we're my wife and I are really trying to like, um, lead them with love and just, you know, kind of like lead the way that God does, where it's like, you've got to take responsibility for your own actions. And sometimes that, that requires you to be a little bit more creative in the way that you, you guide them instead of just being directive and authoritative all the time. Um, so, so yeah, so just kind of curious now that you've kind of worked through that, that level of control, are there any vices that you feel like in that are precluding your leadership style presently? Yeah. You know, what I battle with, I think a lot of people may, um, you know, find, be able to relate to is ambition. Uh, it's not a bad thing, but sometimes if you allow ambition to uh, grow in your heart or you allow ambition to kind of grow without you having setting some, you know, control or not control, I shouldn't say control because that was the ambition of, or advice I used before. But if you don't have some sight and be able to kind of spread that ambition for the team, it can take over you. You wind up doing things that you necessarily wouldn't wouldn't have done had you not been as ambitious, or you wind up having you know damaging relationships. Um, that is something that I do. Being a young person of color in, in 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 healthcare and one of the only people there, I do want to grow, and I do see myself as I want to be here, and I want to be this, and I want to be the first this. But uh, having the 
knowledge and the wisdom from God to say, okay, step, take a step back, be patient, look at the entire landscape and take care of your people first. If you take care of your people first, then in turn, they will wind up taking care of you. And so that's something that I'm still learning, Chris, on a daily basis is when to give credit where credit is due, when to be, um, when to be a, a team builder and when to, you know, uh, push on certain relationships. So that's something that I'm still working on. And I don't think it, uh, as much as I like to read through Ecclesiastes and it tells me there's time for it and time in a season, I still have patient issues is probably my, my point here. Hmm. I actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because I just interviewed a guy in my last interview. It's not released yet, but he, he runs a Catholic youth summer camp. He has 500 acres of land, can house up to 750 people. And they, they oversee like 5,000 uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers and uh, over the summer, and then 20,000 customers in running retreats uh, throughout the year. And then they're building a second campus in Minnesota. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, just, just doing crazy amount of goodness for, for the kingdom. And um, so, yeah, so he kind of just mentioned that that's also one of his vices that he sees he struggles with is like when you're so focused on the ambition side and you're always like, okay, what's next? Let's grow, let's grow it's not being able to take a step and be like, okay, let's pause and be like, yes, like we crush this and to celebrate and to have that joy and to be in awe of the things that, you know, you're allowed to be able to find and do those excellent things. And just being able to take that second in recognition as well, not only for yourself, but as you mentioned, of pouring that love into your team as well. You know, I, 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 quick story. One, 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 we bought our first home. My wife and I bought, bought our first home in 2015. And the day after we closed on a home, in my mind, I was like, okay, three years until we sell and then what's next? And that's when I realized, wow, you have it bad and you need to slow down because, you know, that's a moment that a lot of people take and they enjoy and, and they understand where they came from. And, for me, it was not, I, I, it didn't resonate. It didn't really touch down until my wife told me, just relax. And I think, um, I don't know if this is allowed or not, but Hamilton, they, you know, when she, his wife, Eliza says, look around, like what we have is enough. And to really understanding that, that I, I, that's what I'm trying to do. That's, that's how I continue to battle that spirit of ambition and, and really making sure that I don't let it overtake me. Awesome. Well, thank you for your vulnerability to be able to share that. And I, I would imagine that a lot of executives that uh, are hungry for success are struggling with the same things as well, whether they, they have the uh, courage to be able to admit that publicly. So thank you for sharing that. So now let's dive into the virtue side. What are some of the virtues that you feel like you've naturally been gifted in that you've mastered at, a, at a, you know, earlier on within your career? I think I'm still learning and still growing, but being a servant leader is one virtue that I, I love, right? Uh, I consider myself an intrusive leader where I truly care about what makes my staff tick, right? You know, if, if, if you really figure out, figure out what makes them tick, you know when they're having good days and they're having bad days, when why they may be unproductive here versus, you know, really productive during this season. Um, so I do a good job, I believe, really getting to know my staff um, I build relationships and it's not just working relationships, but strong personal relationships with the staff. So they know that I am not just someone sitting in the office who doesn't care about what's really happening in the clinics. I am visiting with them. I'm working side by side with them. 
I'm getting to know their names, their children's names and birthdays. And uh, I make it a point uh, to every every year or when birthdays come, my children and I would do a little video that we wind up sending to each of our staff members and providers, just singing happy birthday. Oh. Um, something as small as that really makes them smile. So, um, or I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I will dress as Darth Vader on May the 4th and go and visit <laughs> each of the clinics. <laughs> and uh, they, last year, because of COVID, that didn't happen, but they expect that from me now. They're like, where were you? I get calls and it's, it's hilarious. But that is, that's what, that's, that's, I think that's probably the virtue that I, I, I am probably the strongest in is that servant leader and really being there for my staff. Mm. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think that, uh, yeah, some, sometimes it's not the easiest to be able to take that, you know, that extra step towards loving your people and walking alongside of them. And especially in the middle of COVID, like, you know, it's, it's a lot of that stuff that has been kind of taken for granted. I know you guys are more clinic based, so that's, uh, th that's less remote work or the, you know, it's people are required to be in the office, et cetera. Um, but just thinking about like, you know, just on the remote basis, have you guys figured out some creative ways to, to be able to like celebrate people and to be with one another? I know you gave the example of the, the birthdays, et cetera, but any creative ideas there? So yes, we, we use virtual cards. Um, sometimes we will still send cookies. I send like tips treats. I'll just send tips treats to some of the offices on, uh, during my roundings with the manager. I'll ask them uh, clearly, who is someone you'd like to recognize in your clinic who made your life easier? And they'll give me a name and I reach out to those staff members and they'll do lunch with the boss who we may go uh, practicing our safety precautions and do a lunchtime with them uh, just one-on-one -on -one so they can have opportunity to kind of talk and what makes you, what makes you, we appreciate you and, and appreciate everything you, you, you have going on and how you support us. So different things like that. That's how I, you know, how I kind of support this team and still show them um, I'm present. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so that's, that's amazing. Wanted to also think through just Robert, as you kind of think about uh, your own career, if you had the, the chance to kind of go back and, and coach your younger self, like right out of school, um, what, what life lessons do you think you would share with yourself? Man, um, I think it would be the patience. Things don't happen the way you anticipate, right? So if they don't happen the way you anticipate, don't don't beat yourself up. You look at that as an opportunity, and you keep continue to push forward. You continue to uh, pour in a hundred percent of you know, your effort into that specific thing, and it will pay off in the end. Uh, there's a scripture that says, "All things work together for the good of those who believe, trust in the Lord." And I truly believe that. And I think that's what I would tell myself. Um, it's, that's truth. It's not just words on a paper. It's something that I live by now. And I wish I would have lived by at that younger age. Hmm. And, and so with that said, was there some ways that you maybe felt like you were being impatient that weren't necessarily like kind of manifesting in the way that you wanted it to? I'm just curious as to, that's interesting that you say that to giving that coaching to your younger self. Um, I, just how quickly uh, you, uh, you know, I was ready to leave a job or quickly to find the next best thing. Um, instead of enjoying those small wins, I would, you know, look at 
okay, well, I'm not done yet. Instead of being able to just sit down and relax and see that this was, uh, these were small building blocks to a greater uh, picture. Um, I, 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 I didn't pay attention to any of that, Chris. I left jobs because I felt like I wasn't progressing fast enough. Um, I didn't understand what sweat equity was at that time. And then, you know, now understanding that, you know, sweat equity is how well you get along with people in a group and things that you can get done that other people wouldn't be able to get done being new into an organization. So key pieces that I missed along the way that had to do with patience um, because of my ambition really is what I say. Just slow it down. Take your time. Focus on the job at hand. And then once that is complete, don't think about what's next just yet and, and celebrate it. Enjoy it. Um, with your team. So that's what, the, that's what I mean by kind of taking that time and being more patient. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think that's so relevant for today because I know that one of the things that like the younger generation is known for is constantly being on the radar about like, okay, what's my next promotion? What's my next thing that I'm going to be doing? Uh, and, you know, the older generations had to kind of go through that sweat equity. So there is this kind of like counterbalance between the two different people that are in the C-suite and people that are rising up through the ranks. So I think that's really sound advice to be able to share with people to, you know, just recognize to kind of like slow down and to realize the importance of your current state in life and to continue to look to, you know, you may not necessarily have the same title that you're looking for presently, but there's still an opportunity to be able to serve. And if you can just go ahead and even just take this opportunity to go and serve those even up the chain, that's just only going to continue to prepare you for additional promotions down the road, while at the same time building those deep, solid relationships um, the, to be able to have an effective and outstanding organization presently too. Agreed. And uh, I, I kind of touched on this and we I have a strong relationship with God. I believe in a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ uh, as a Christian. So, you know, sometimes those promotions I have, I'm understanding now, those promotions don't necessarily come on the uh, um, personal side, more on the spiritual side and having some enlightenment and understanding, you know, what's truly important. And I never understood how they said, they said that the, uh, my grandmother used to say that, you know, wisdom is wasted on the old and you know the young people have all the energy but I, I understand that now and i wish that i was able to kind of really sit back and be wise and listen to the people who are uh, older than me and, and really try to pour into me and not necessarily try to cut it off but i'm looking at it different ways promotions don't always happen in the way that i think and it could be more of a spiritual promotion where i'm really truly understanding and able to kind of reach more people because of my um because of my reputation with the organization. So I, I really am happy now and really trying to look at that as, as, as a promotion as well. Is, and is your grandma still alive? I feel like I need to meet this woman. She just, <laughs> I just, I wish I could get her as a spiritual director. This woman just sounds like she's just a ball of wisdom. Yeah, no, she passed away, but it's, I still keep her, her teachings with me in my heart, you know, as she, but we had a great relationship. She passed away in 2017, but a lot of what she taught me, I think she'd be proud that I still kind of follow and, 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 you know, share down to my kids as well. Hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, I know she would be proud for sure. And, and I think the other thing that you had shared was, uh, you know, that a lot of people have had a lot of fear during the, the pandemic. And that was something that you started to get involved with a Bible study 
and then they tapped you to actually, they saw that leadership trait within you to start running that. Can you talk about that journey and how that's been positively uh, impacting and helping people? Yes. So in March of 2020, uh, a Bible study was uh, formed kind of over Zoom. Um, I was invited by my mother and a few of her friends to to join. Yes. I love that. So good. I know. I've got a, I've got a mom who does, they don't do, they don't, they wouldn't be able to figure out the zoom piece, but they, they've got a rosary group that's been meeting for like years and years. And years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a, bu- a bunch of, uh, you know, her friends and some ladies that she knew while she, we lived in New York and um, some ladies that she knows here in Texas. So they invited me. Uh, I was, I joined a few times and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually got the courage to speak up during one of the lessons. And it started from there. They said, wow, we love the insight. We love the revelation. Um, God has truly blessed you with kind of understanding, being able to discern the Bible. And so they asked me to start teaching. And so I did. We started teaching. We, we've gone through a few chapters of the Bible. We're using this time right now as really introducing people to God, starting that relationship uh, with him. Because I, as you mentioned earlier, it, it was it's, it's an intimate relationship that you must have. And I can't necessarily have that for them. And so we're building it, understanding how to cultivate that relationship. And, and I've, we've seen a lot of change. We've seen people change in, um, in their presentation, in their attitude, the way they deal with certain situations. Um, we get a lot of testimonies almost every call about, I used to think like this. I used to handle this situation like this. But because of this platform, I've been able to truly reevaluate how I handle certain situation. And instead of showing this person hate, I show them love and it's changed our relationship or dynamic. And uh, I am so blessed, so blessed to be a vessel to become, to use for that situation or for that platform. Um, really, really excited to see where God takes it and that next level that is that's set for us. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And yeah, our God is a God of transformation. So being able to, you know, I, I think some of I, my heart breaks for some of my, you know, just different people, of the different denominations of Christianity that, that feel like they can't look across any denominations and see the good works and amazingness that's happening. And so just to be able to see the, the way that you guys are, are growing other people and that God is a God of miracles and, and he's not one that can be put into boxes and, and just seeing that just encouraged me and, and excites me to, to be able to see that. So thank you for sharing. Robert, how can people get a hold of the work that you're doing? If they're interested in joining your Bible study, how would one do that? And or how can people, you know, just get a, work, get a hold of or see the work that you're doing at Methodist as well? Well, um, Methodist, you can reach me at robertdavis at mhd.com. Um, that's my work email with the Methodist Health System. Um, if you're interested in the Bible study, you can reach me at robert.j.davis28 at gmail.com. Again, that's robert.j.davis28 at gmail.com. Um, I'd be able to share the link. You can join. You don't have to say anything. There'd be no pressure. Um, but you'd be able to join us and kind of hear how the Lord continues to work in that, in that, uh, on that platform and then work for Methodist. If you email me and set some time up, I'd love to have coffee. I'd love to, you know, be on a call with you and kind of talk about what we're doing here and and, and where uh, we're looking to grow as a system. Awesome. And, uh, we'll also make sure that we share your LinkedIn profile into the show notes as well. 
And lastly, Robert, can you close us out in prayer to be able to, you know, just impart blessing that you received in your life to be able to share that with our listeners today too? Of course, I'd be happy to appreciate the opportunity. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord God, thanking you for allowing us to gather together as family under the body and in the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless this podcast. That way that it can continue to reach and disciple to people and to the masses across the world, Lord God. Lord God, we know that through you, anything is possible. And with the faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed, that we can move mountains. And Lord God, we are speaking it into existence right now that this podcast, that you use, Chris, to be able to disciple and build up the body of Christ, that you use the people who are associated with Chris, Lord God, and that you use them to be extinctions and disciples for the body of Christ. Lord, anoint him from his head down to the sole of his feet, that he can continue to do the strong work that you've set him here for. Continue to be a revelation, Lord God, for the people who don't know you, Lord God. Touch them. Thank you again. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. As you were praying, this is like a reoccurring image that I keep getting. Um, uh, it's interesting. I shared it a couple episodes back, but it's just like, um, you know, we're, we're basically the same age or around the same, uh, same age. So uh, I know you'll remember like back in the day when we wanted to like have our own songs, we had to actually go on the radio and like create a mixtape. And, and I just, you know, whenever I have different guests pray, there's some of them that I keep getting this image of like that mixtape. And I feel like, like the Lord just being like what the kind of like the, the image and the word that I'm getting is just like, I'm kind of sensing that the Lord absolutely loves you. And he loves, he looks at you like his own mixtape. Like this is his personal best. Like, I feel like Robert, like he's just like flaunting you up. Like, Ooh, I got these hot chairs on the mixtape. And so, yes, uh, I'm just so encouraged, uh, you know, again, by the, the work that you're doing to be able to, you know, bring the kingdom into your work by loving people and loving those around you. And then also being very intentional too, about being able to lift up others to get into the word and share God's word with them. So yeah, just pray blessings over you brother. And, and thank you so much for, for being part of our journey here at the leading virtuously podcast too. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. Honestly. Awesome. Blessings. Take care. Yeah. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.